Is everybody awake this morning? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, that's better. <laughs> I realized Saturday morning, and, you know, Dr. A asked if I would give the teaching on baptism. I'm like, great, the Saturday morning session when everybody is not so awake. But hopefully um, this morning um, as we learn about, as I just, you know, share some things about baptism, um, that, you know, th- you know, through this, uh, the Lord will speak to us and, um, and if you're not fully awake already by the time, uh, by the end of the session, and certainly by the end of the baptism in the Holy Spirit session, that all of you will be charged and ready to go. Um, but I just want to start by uh, opening up with a story. Maybe some of you have heard this story before, but there was, there was a, a Tsar of Russia, and his name was Ivan the Terrible. Everybody heard about Ivan the Terrible? Right? Or maybe they pronounce his name Ivan. I don't know. Maybe that's the proper way of pronouncing it. Um, Dr. Case is nodding, saying probably yes. <laughs> so um, Ivan the Terrible, was, in the 15th century, he was ruler over uh, the Russian Empire, which was expanding rapidly. And this was just, I mean, they were fierce. And they were going after, and they were expanding. And so some of his advisors come to him, and they say, you know, this is great. You're having all of this success. But what you really need is an heir. And you don't have a son yet to, in, to ensure that your empire is going to last, your dynasty is going to last beyond you. And so they said, why don't we find a suitable wife for you, or, you know, a beautiful wife, and then, you know, and so that you can, you know, think about producing offspring, you know, to carry in your dynasty. And so he says, okay, that's a good idea. You know, that's, and so he said, why don't you, you know, help me find, you know, it sounds a little bit like the story of Esther, right? <laughs> and so his advisors go out, and, and they go on to neighboring Greece, and there's a Greek princess, right? And so they, uh, they bring her to the Tsar, and, you know, and he's, oh, yeah, okay, this is the one, this is what I, who I want to marry. And so they, but there's just one problem. And so the, uh, the princess's father, the king of Greece, says, you can't marry my daughter because you're not a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Okay, and so he says, okay, well, what do I have to do to become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church because I really want to marry this princess? You know, she's, she's beautiful. And so, well, unless you're baptized, and guess what? All of your soldiers also have to be baptized with you. I'm not going to let you marry my daughter. And so he says, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to go for it. And so all of his soldiers come with him. They make the trip to Greece, and they, uh, and they, and they go. And so they arrange. And, and usually there's more of like a, how many of you have heard of catechism, right? They, you go through training. They want to make sure if you're going to be baptized, um, that you know your stuff, that you know what you believe, that you're, you're actually in. Um, and so his soldiers come with him. And so, like, they do a crash course, like, one-day catechism for all of them. Okay, we got to get this going. We got to get this over with. I got to get married. I got to get on with war and, you know, expanding my empire. And so they do this uh, crash course. And so all of these, you know, so they take, um, you know, Ivan the Terrible and all of his soldiers um, you know, as they're, you know, about, okay, let's go into the waters of baptism. And then they realize there's a problem. Wait a minute. We can't baptize your soldiers because there's a big problem because we don't believe that you can be in the church and also shed blood. So, so I'm like, okay, the, we have to come up with some kind of compromise. And so the compromise they reached was, okay, all of the soldiers will go into the, as they walked into the water, they held up their swords. So you can have, you know, all of this up to here, you know, but, but we're not going to baptize our swords. So we're going to commit everything um, to, to the church, to Christ, except this arm that is holding this sword. 
And that's where we get the story of, and, maybe, and this is actually a true story that actually happened, um, the story of the unbaptized arm. And, but how many of you know the, the kingdom of God doesn't work like that, right? Um, and as, as, as I'm sure you heard from Brother Tim uh, through the message on lordship, right, it's about all of our lives belonging to him, right? It's not just, you know, we don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to pick and choose what part of your life you want to submit to Christ's lordship, amen? It's like we, we have to give all of ourselves, just as Christ gave all of him, himself for us. The call is that we give all of ourselves to Christ. And so baptism has to do with submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ, of giving our all. And so in this morning session, you know, I want to talk to you about baptism, uh, water baptism specifically. And so first I just want to give you, and how many of you have the, the handout hopefully you got when, when you came in? If anybody doesn't, if, if there's somebody that can make sure, if anybody does not have a handout and can get, can you raise your hand if you do not have a handout? And if somebody can please help ensure that Everybody has something to follow along with. That would be great. Um, so the first thing I want to do is just give a, give a little teaching about what is baptism, first of all, and why is it significant for us as Christians. And then I want to address some specific reasons why you should not delay baptism, as well as answer some reasons or excuses um, quite frankly, that people have that may be hindering you from taking this important step in your discipleship. So it's my hope that at the end of this session, you know, even if you're already baptized, and I saw there are a lot of hands here who are already baptized, but you're here being trained for ministry, right? And so that as you're going out and leading others, uh, hopefully this will, this will encourage you. You'll have some, you know, just really as you're, as you're going out and leading others to Christ, that you'll have an understanding of the importance of baptism as God is using you to lead others and to disciple others in, uh, in, in, in the faith. Um, and so, so, so by the end of this time, I hope that you will, for those of you who have not been baptized, that, that you will make a decision to step into the waters of baptism. You know, in years past, actually, we had a baptismal tank here, and we would, there would actually baptism, be baptisms that would happen. Um, we, don't, we don't have that today. <laughs> um, and the reason why, and, as, and I'll explain why later on, is we believe that it's very important for you to, to, um, to pursue baptism with your local church, because this is um, a, a very important uh, step in your life, and we believe it's very important for your pastors and your leaders in your church to be uh, uh, connect with you uh, in that way. So, um, but at the very least, my hope is that you'll you'll make that decision, you'll make that commitment um, to take that step. So, first, um, just looking at your 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 note guide there, the first thing is what is baptism. Uh, baptism is an ordinance or a sacrament of the, of the local church by which a confessing believer in Jesus Christ. Everybody say confessing. So a confessing believer in Jesus Christ is immersed in water. Okay, that's what baptism means. It means immersion, right? It doesn't mean sprinkling. It means total immersion. Immersed in water as a sign of an inner spiritual cleansing through a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, we're so who is being baptized? If you are a confessing believer, if you, are, if you have confessed Jesus as Lord and as your Savior, then you are a candidate for baptism. This is for you. Um, and it's a sign of your cleansing, um, of your inner cleansing, as you are reenacting. It's a reenactment of the death, burial, and resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Um, so just a couple things about what baptism is not. Okay, so there's nothing, number one, there's nothing in the physical water that makes you spiritually clean. Right? There's, no, there's no like prayers that are prayed over the water that will turn it into something magical. So as you step into the water, you know, something happens and it, and it permeates your skin and goes into your spiritual being. That's not what's going on here. There's, there's, there's no magic water, so to speak. Um, 1 Peter 3.21 says, it's not, we're not talking about the removal of dirt from the body. That's not what this is about. And the second thing that baptism is not, um, even as it is commanded to be obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. Obey. Obeyed, right? It's, com- it's a command to be obeyed. There is nothing about the act of baptism there's nothing about the act of going through baptism that affects your salvation. There's not, in other words, this doesn't complete your salvation. Does everybody understand? Understand? I want you to hear me. So even though it is a command, this is not, it's not a command because you need to do this in order for your salvation to somehow be complete. Um, because as it says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth, there's the confession again, Jesus is Lord. Everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So our salvation is based on believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead for our life, Um, and it is our confession of his lordship that affects our salvation and nothing else. Okay, so if baptism is not, you know, it's not some kind of physical thing that, you know, affects our salvation or the act itself, what is it? What does it signify? And if you remember, we talked about, you know, just just looking at the definition, right? It's a sign, right? It's it's a sign of something. And and a sign, what is a sign meant to do? It's it's meant to point to something, right? When you see a sign, it symbolizes something, that you're going in a certain direction. Um, It's pointing um, to something significant. Um, The first thing that baptism signifies is obedience. So that first one there is obedience. Um, Baptism is integrally connected with the preaching and response to the gospel, right? Right? Um, right from the beginning, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So Jesus gives what's known as the Great Commission to his disciples, to the, who would be the apostles, right? He says, therefore, go. First he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So you see right here, Jesus is saying, as, as you're preaching the gospel, the expected response is that people should respond by repentance, by believing the message, by becoming disciples. And in that way, they, they should be willing to be baptized, right? That baptism is a part of the response to the gospel. This is, this is, this is part of the command of preaching the gospel. It is an outward expression of our obedient response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so the question is, Okay, so Jesus is commanding this, right? And if you love Jesus, why would you not want to obey him? It's as simple as that. How many of you love Jesus this morning? How many of you want to obey Jesus? Right? That's why we need to be baptized. Um, first, our, uh, John 14, 15, Jesus tells his disciples, If you love me, 
you will what? You will obey what I command. Right? So it's, it's, it's as simple as loving obedience. It's a response in love. Um, remember that the gospel is not merely a creed to be believed. It's a message to be Obeyed, yes. It's a message to be obeyed. I hope you hear that theme over and over again. It's about obedience. And that's why I think it's appropriate that this follows along with the first. We talk about lordship. This is a practical expression of our obedience, our obedience to Jesus. As we're confessing the gospel, it's not just, oh, you know, this is what I believe as a Christian. No, this is, I've entered the waters of baptism, and, I, and this way I'm showing that I'm following Jesus, and I'm obedient, starting with this simple command. Um, there's also the principle, what's known um, as the principle of first mention. Um, you may have heard, if you're taking hermeneutics, right? How many of you are in hermeneutics right now? How many of you have heard of this principle, first mention, right? Or you've been through your hermeneutics? Um, so in, in Acts chapter 238, we have, okay, the Holy Spirit has fallen, right, on, on, the, on, on the disciples. And what happens after the Holy Spirit falls? They start speaking in tongues, in languages that everybody around can understand. And as, they're, and as they are, you know, just speaking in tongues, there are people from all over the world. They're there and they're hearing. And what is it? We hear the wonders and the glories of God and the praises of God in our own languages, right? So here, it's interesting. You usually think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as second, right? In this case, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes before. <laughs> this is the first of two times in the New Testament where we see that happening. Um, but... So, so people are just in awe, and it's like, and so in response to this, Peter gets up, and he get in, in Acts chapter 2, he gives the first gospel message, right? And people are saying, what is this? And so Peter says, God has made, ultimately he says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is your Messiah that you crucified. And it said that they were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? We've crucified our Messiah. We rejected our Messiah. What do we do? And so what is Peter's response? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, right? This is the first mention, right? The principle of first, it carries significant weight. The first time the gospel is preached by the apostles in a public way, and baptism is right there. Repent and be baptized. It comes along with the gospel. Um, the second important thing that, that baptism signifies is identification. So it has to do with our identity, Baptism is an outward expression of identification with Christ, saying we're crossing over the line in a visible way in front of others. We're saying, I'm, I am now going into the waters of baptism, and I am identifying with Christ. I am in Christ. Um, Acts 2.38, says, it says, as, um, uh, Peter says, repent and be baptized, not just be baptized, but be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Be baptized in his name. This is so important. Um, there, uh, one commentary by Longenecker says, you know, notes that um, repentance and baptism, you know, the idea of baptism wasn't foreign to, to a Jewish person. This is actually something that they, were, they understood. This wasn't, ju this wasn't just a Christian introduction. You know, uh, you know, Jewish proselytes, those who would, who would convert to Judaism, actually went under, underwent a form of baptism. We know that John the Baptist preached repentance and baptism, right? Um, and so there was also times when, you know, when a Jewish person, they were going through a, a life ritual or a life change, they would, in an act of recommitment to God, they would go into these, you know, baptismal, so to speak, and they would completely immerse themselves. And so 
the whole idea of baptism isn't strange, so to speak. But there was also a sense in which Peter was speaking to this idea, right, that, that, that maybe some thought, well, I'm a, I'm a child of Abraham, you know, so I'm a, child of, I'm a chosen person, right? I belong to the chosen people. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to do anything. I was born a Jew, um, one of, you know, God's favorite people. So I'm in, right, that whole idea. You know, maybe some of you, you know, thought, you know, or you know someone who run across this idea of, well, I was born, raised, went to church all my life, so I'm in, you know, no need, you know, I know the stuff, I went to Sunday school. Um, so the gospel is not that, right? The gospel means a response is required. It means that we don't identify with our heritage, right? We don't identify with our upbringing. We identify with Christ. We are making a clear distinction that we are crossing over. So that's why Peter says, every one of you. That was a big statement. Saying, guess what? It doesn't count that you were born a Jew. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your Messiah. Um, You have to say say clearly that I am identifying with, with Jesus Christ. And I am submitting to Christ's lordship personally as I'm being baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts 19.5 says, On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And again, in Acts 10.48, it talks about um, another instance. It says, So we ordered that they be be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is um, uh, very clear in Scripture. It also signifies our identity as a child of God, that we belong to him as a son and daughter of God. Who's the first, our first model of baptism, right, is Jesus himself. As we're, we're, we're being baptized in Christ, Christ himself was baptized. Um, we have the account, right, in Matthew chapter 3. Um, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. It says, at that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I want to be clear. You are a child of God the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? There's something significant about baptism. That you are declaring what you already are as a child of God, right? You were hearing that, and you were saying, yes, this is who I am. I'm a, and even as Jesus himself, when he came out of baptism, he began his ministry with that understanding that I am, this, I am a son of God. I am the son of God, right? I, I am a, um, and so as, as whatever God has for you, as you move on in, in what God has for your life, it begins with that identity, knowing that you are a child of God. So the third thing it signifies is new belonging, it signifies belonging. It is an initiation into the community of God's people in Christ, the church. How many of you have ever gone through some kind of initiation? Whether it's, you know, I know we don't have that here. We don't have hazing here at Elam. That's bad. We don't do that. <laughs> um, but so I've heard other colleges, they go through, you know, there's some, and even in the military, they had to put a, a ban on that. But the whole idea of Initiation. You have to go through something that everybody else has gone through, right? And I'm thankful that we just have something as simple as baptism, right? This is your initiation to belonging to the community of God's people. Um, so not only is it, it signifies your obedience, your identity in Christ, but it also shows that, hey, I'm now saying I belong to God's people. Th- these are my people that I am pledging my allegiance to. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 
Um, Paul writes, For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. So all of us going through baptism is we are saying we are all in this together. We have all gone through this. Um, Galatians 3, 27 through 29, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's identity, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then Ephesians 4, 4 through 5. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, There's no, you know, even maybe there could be some streams in the Christian faith that emphasize you have to be baptized in our church you know, to be considered a believer. But we believe that the whole idea of baptism is you are baptized into the global, universal body of Christ. Amen. Not just the denomination. When you're baptized, you're not being, you're, you're not, you're saying you're belonging to the first church of Lima or whatever church. <laughs> um, but you are being baptized into the church of Jesus, the body of Jesus Christ. So with that, so when you think about belonging, you think of allegiance, right? You think of Loyalty. So with new belonging comes new loyalty. Right? So you are now not only loyal to Christ, you are in Christ, but because you are loyal to Christ, you are loyal to God's people. You're saying you're standing with his people. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says you can't do it. So when you just submit to baptism, you're saying, I am in. I am all in. There's no unbaptized arm. It's like everything and all of me is in, and I'm committed to the body of Christ. You know, one of the things we discovered um, working in, in China, you know, with, with the ruling Communist Party, was that the, the, the underground church was just, God, even as, you know, the, in the 80s when, the, when China started to open up again after communism had squashed the church and they were forced underground, as soon as, you know, they started to open up, um, they realized God had been doing amazing things <clears throat> through the underground house churches. And they started to realize the, the, the depth of commitment. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Sorry, my voice is a little cracked. <laughs> um, he discovered was, um, and they realized that when, <clears throat> what we begin to understand is that for a Chinese believer, when they submitted to baptism, that was a serious, serious thing. Many Chinese believers that we knew, it was, um, there were many who said, I haven't been baptized yet. In fact, I remember actually talking to a Chinese international student once. She was here, and um, I was talking to her, and she said that she was a a believer in Christ. And um, I said, oh, you know, have you been baptized? And she said, oh, no, I haven't been baptized yet. And she said, because my parents are Communist Party members, and I know that, you know, as soon as I make that step, that is crossing the line, that I am changing my loyalty. It is a public identification, you know, saying that I am now saying I am loyal. And, and that's the one thing that a lot of people don't understand about the Communist Party in China. They think, oh, it's all about hating Christianity, or it's about hating religion. It's about, essentially, they don't want any loyalty that diverts from any loyalty that will take away from loyalty to the government. That's what it's about. And so when a Chinese believer <clears throat> says, I'm being baptized, that is a huge counting the co- of the cost moment. They're saying that I, my allegiance is to Christ. And because they do that, 
Many times they lose out, they lose out on op, uh, opportunities for promotion. They lose out on opportunities for advancement. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Um, so it's counting the cost. There's also many instances you talked about when you, you know, hear testimonies of believers who come from a Muslim background or a Hindu background, where religious identity is tied up in their cultural background, or even, um, even those who come from a Catholic background, Roman Catholic background, you know, when they, when they decide they're going to be baptized based on their personal decision to follow Jesus, many will tell stories about how they, were, they are completely cut off and ostracized from their family. They're cut off from their community. Um, in many cases, in many countries, and especially in the, in, in the Islamic countries, they, they're, a mar- they're dead man walking when it is known that they have submitted to baptism. That is a line that they have crossed. It's a line of allegiance. And so it's important to remember, you know, whenever we encounter here, if I, you know, if I, you know, hear somebody, oh, I'm not sure I want to get baptized. I'm not, you know, like if you only knew your brothers and sisters across the world who are making a decision that will likely, could very likely cost them their lives. And here we live in a place where, you know, thankfully we don't have, we, we, we don't have that yet, um, that, that kind of risk. Number four, reenactment of a, it's a reenactment of a spiritual transaction, right? It's an sp- actual spiritual transaction that has taken place and we're reenacting that. So again, this transaction is not something that we obtain when we, enter the waters of baptism, but it's acknowledging, hey, I'm reenacting something that God has done in my life. Um, The first um, part of this transaction is cleansing and forgiveness of sin by union with the death of Christ. That's why I love that song, right, in Christ alone, like here in the death of Christ I live. Isn't Isn't that such a paradox, right? In the death of Christ you live? Um. But that's who we are. We are forgiven because of our union um, with the death of Christ. So as you're being baptized, you're going down into the water. That's why baptism by immersion is so important. Because it's about going down under the water completely, identifying with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. You are identifying with that transaction that took place. Um, Romans 6 verse 3 says, or don't you know, this whole passage right in Romans 6, um, Paul is talking about the significance of baptism, about what it means of the spiritual transaction. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And then it also symbolizes hope because what happens when they, when they put you under the water? Joshua, what happened next? You come up, thankfully. <laughs> Hopefully you're in good terms with your pastor. You don't hold you down too long. How many of you felt like when you were baptized, you felt like you were held down a little too long? Anybody like that? <laughs> Uh, okay, I see that. Um, uh, you know, so we're great when we come up, we gasp, oh, we have new life, we can breathe again, right? That old self that went down into the waters, it stays there. That doesn't come up again. Amen? That, that, that we, are un- we are united, our old man stays there, it's united with Christ in his death. And when we come up, it symbolizes the resurrection and the promised return of Christ. Romans 6, 5, he goes on to say, If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. 
This is as we're going, we're coming up, we're saying, I have a hope that because Jesus not only died for my sin, but he conquered death through his resurrection, that I am a new person, that I will live eternally, that I will, um, that, that, I, that one day Christ will return and I will have a new resurrected body. How many of you are looking forward to that new resurrected body? No pains, no aches, no nothing, right? That's the hope and the promise that we have. Um, it also uh, symbolizes a new normal, right? So that's an, the, the, the final part of this, um, this uh, what baptism signifies. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. You are a new creation because of what Jesus Christ, your identification with what Christ has done for you and what he's done in your heart by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, um, making you a new person. You are new. When you come up, when, so when you're coming out, you're coming out of that baptismal tank and you are saying, I'm new. That old, whoever that old person was in that tank, I don't know that person anymore because from now on, I'm walking in the newness of life. There's a new normal. Uh, Romans, that whole um, passage in Romans chapter 6, Paul is actually addressing that question. He's saying, what shall I say then? Shall I go go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Right? You just took a bath. How could you go and pollute yourself again? You know, with the things of this world. You know, that's, this is the context when, Paul, when Paul's drawing the significance of baptism. It's like, you are a new creation. The whole point of this chapter. Um, Romans 6, verse 4, he goes on to say, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, everybody say, in order that. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Right? So this is, whenever you see that word, in order that, look very carefully at what it's saying. <laughs> this is what it's for, so that we can live a new life. Not so that you can have, how many of you got a certificate when you were baptized? You have it hanging on your wall? Anybody? No? Okay. You know, but that's not what it's for. You know, it's so that we can live a new life. We mark that day. You may, how many of you remember the day you were baptized? All right. What day were you baptized, Josiah? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's, it sticks in our memory, right? It's, very, it's, a, it's an important time. First Peter 3, 18 through 22, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God, right? We are saying, I am submitting everything to the Lordship of Christ. My mind, my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes, everything is new now. There's a new normal. Um, and this is who I am. There's something about submitting to a physical act that does something, right? It reminds you that we are body creatures created as three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, right? So it's, it shouldn't be a surprise that we have baptism, right? God wants us to fully experience and understand with our whole being the depth of what he has done for us. Okay, so I just want to move on to, you know, talking about why... You should not delay baptism. You know, maybe there should be, maybe there's some hesitation or you've encountered people who are hesitating. You know, I don't know if I should be baptized yet. I'm not sure. So the first reason you should not delay baptism is if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? Simple. (laughs) Then there's no reason for you to delay. 
Okay? Just say it very plainly. There's no reason. If you've already accepted and you've committed to Jesus Christ, you know, in the words of the Ethiopian eunuch that Philip, um, God led Philip to share the gospel with, right? And he shares the gospel with him, and he, his heart is just open. He receives the gospel. I believe. And what does he do? He looks out the chariot. He sees some water there in the river, and he says, hey, Philip, look, there's water. What's preventing me from being baptized? Let's do this thing, right? And I believe. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. I've already believed. The second reason you should not delay baptism is if you desire to grow in spiritual maturity as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you desire to grow, if you're feeling a greater hunger in your life, you want to see more. And we heard that in the, in, in the worship, right? We want more, Lord. We want more. How many of you want more of the Lord, right? You want, to, you want more of God. You want more than what you have. You want to grow. You want to see bondages break. You want to see things change in your life and in your relationships. Um, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 says... Uh, therefore, go, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Right? God is calling us to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So I really feel like there, there could be someone here who's struggling in an area of your life, you're wanting to see a breakthrough. You're saying, God, why can't I see a breakthrough in this area? How come, no matter how hard I pray, no matter how hard I try, I'm not seeing changes? Or maybe you know somebody who's in this situation. You know, maybe you want to grow in the area of spiritual discipline. Or you want to grow in the area of being bolder in evangelism. Uh, whatever it is, it, let it begin with going back to the basics. Have you been baptized? Have you stepped out in obedience to the first thing that God has asked you to do? To repent and what? Be baptized. So I feel like just taking that step is saying, I'm, I'm going to go back to the basics and saying, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you're going to work out um, the rest of my life. Even as I take this step in obedience, that breakthroughs will happen. Now, I want to clarify that, you know, in First, First Peter 3.18, right, it says that um, Christ died for sins once for all. So how many times do you need to be baptized? Once. <laughs> um, how many of you have been baptized more than once? All right. Um, there's no reason why you need to be. It's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong if you felt like God is calling you to do that. There's, there's nothing necessary for you to be baptized again. Um, I, I had an experience actually when there, there's um, a, a friend of ours where we were working in, in China, and um, a year before he had placed his faith in Christ, and he had been baptized, and he came from a very religious Muslim background, and, you know, we had been, you know, building a relationship with him for a year, and so he, he, he calls me one day, and he says, hey, you know what, why don't we go to this, you know, swimming place, this, it was like in October, I think it was about this time of year, so the air was really crisp, and it was really chilly, actually, and, um, it was a nice place to go, actually, when it was warm and, and hot out, you know, because you get to take a dip. And I'm like, okay, why does he want to go here at this time? I'm like, okay, it would be fun to hang out. And so I remember I think I took one of my kids along, and we went. And so um, so we get there, and we're talking. We're just hanging out. And it's like, well, the real reason I wanted to come here is because actually it was a year ago today that, that I was baptized. This is a very important day. And, and I'm just thinking... Um, I think I should get baptized again. Would you baptize me again? You know, and then again, this is coming from a very religious mindset in this Islamic way. It's like I have to prove myself to God. I have to prove it, prove it over and over again that I am loyal to him. The first thought was, 
I'm not getting that ice cold water. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> it was freezing cold. And, um, and so I, I just use it just as a teaching moment. It's like, you know, the Bible says you do not. I did not want to reinforce in him any religiosity, any sense where he was doing this. He had to prove that he was in Christ. And so I encouraged him. I said, so what do you think I did? I didn't rebaptize him. <laughs> but I encouraged him and I prayed with him, um, you know, to help him realize that his commitment to Christ was enough. We did actually, he um, gored me. It's like, well, let's jump in anyway and swim across. And I'll never forget. That was, I felt like I was going to die in the middle of that. Like, I felt like my body was freezing. As was um, but, um, yeah. So the third uh, reason why you don't want to delay baptism is if you want to be used by God. And I know that all of you are here and you, are, you have come to a place to, to Elam because you want to be used by God in ministry. And raise your hand if you feel like God is calling you. This is, like, you're, you're not just here like, oh, I'll just come to a Christian college, you know, get some education, learn some stuff. But you feel God has called you here because there's a call on your life. Um, if you want to be used by God, especially in ministry, and you haven't been baptized yet, you need to be baptized. Um, of course, Jesus is the perfect example, right? He didn't start his ministry until after he got baptized. And even then, God took him through the wilderness, you know, through a period of trial and temptation. But even Jesus um, submitted to baptism first. The apostle Paul, when he had, had his experience in the road to Damascus, right? Um, God led him to Ananias. They go to Ananias. Ananias, you know, says the first thing he leaves with, God has chosen you and he has called you and he has a purpose for you, Saul. And you're going to bring, you know, God's going to use you powerfully. So what are you waiting for? Get baptized. That's what he tells him. So that's how Saul, how, who would become Paul, becomes, be, uh, it starts his ministry through baptism. What are you waiting for? You know, Luke 16, 10, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. How many here desire to be used by God for great things, right? We want to be used by God for great things, so obey in the small things. Say, I'm willing to do this thing. So some possible excuses for not getting baptized. Number one, baptize, you're baptized as an infant. Um, so this doesn't take away from the, the commit, the the intention of your parents to commit you to the Lord in the best way that they knew how. But clearly the biblical teaching is that baptism is connected to your personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. Um, as it says, again, going back to Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you. Mark 16.16, 16, whoever believes, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. A second reason could be pride, right? You might think, or you may know somebody who thinks this, right? Um, I can get along fine, just fine in my life without baptism. I'm doing okay, you know, no troubles, no crises, everything's kind of humming along just fine. Why do I need to be baptized? Well, first, Jesus commanded it. <laughs> if you're following Jesus, why wouldn't you do it? In Isaiah 55, 9, as the heavens are higher than, than the earth, so are my ways, my God's ways, higher than your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Um, you know, we think of Naaman, right? That story of Naaman, right? When he came and he wanted to be healed of his leprosy. He comes, and, right? And we have this story in 2 Kings chapter 5. And so the prophet says, what? Go and wash in the Jordan, and you'll be healed. 
Right? He said, I'm not going to do that. Why couldn't, I just, why couldn't he just say some special words over me and that would be better? I'm not going to go into that filthy Jordan and be washed. And so his servants say, why would you despise such a simple thing? You know, just obey the command of the prophet, right? And he did so and was healed. He, he turned. You know, and why, you know, why would we despise something so simple that God is asking us to do? Um, so, if, and the next thing is, if Jesus himself insisted on humbling himself at baptism, right? Jesus said, when John, he comes to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, mm, you need to baptize me, Lord. It's not the other way around. Jesus says what? He says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill our righteousness. If Jesus himself, the son of God, said it is proper for us to do so to fulfill our righteousness, what excuse do we have? Zero. <laughs> It's only pride. And so we need to humble ourselves and walk in obedience. The third excuse could be fear. This could be fear of what others may think, say, or do. Right? You may think, well, if I, if I get baptized, what will my friends think? They'll think I'm crazy. They'll think I'm joining a cult. Or they'll, you know, um, you know fear. Uh, Proverbs 29.25 say, says, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Right? There's nothing to fear about obeying the Lord and walking in obedience um, to his command. Um, we know that God is always on our side, right? No matter what people say, think, or do, um, that we don't have to be afraid. You may also be afraid of being a hypocrite, right? How many of you have felt this or maybe know somebody who was like, oh, um, if I get baptized, what if I backslide? What if I express my commitment to the Lord in this way and I do it in front of people and people are watching and they see that I've made this commitment and then I, I can't keep it up? Like, what if I, you know, fall back? You know, fearing that you may let God down, fearing that you may let others down. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, right? And purify us from all unrighteousness. And Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That as you are step, stepping in obedience to, to, to Christ and baptism, God will help you. He will stand with you. Um, and you do not have to be afraid. Another excuse could be that you're not ready. Um, in, in the words of Ananias to Saul, right? He says to him, what are you waiting for? You know, God's got a call in your life he wants to use you what are you waiting for get up and be baptized and wash your sins away um, and even also the Ethiopian eunuch again he says look here's water why shouldn't I be baptized so the, the question isn't why should I be baptized but it should be why shouldn't I why shouldn't I obey and again it's very clear um, that you're ready if you have repented of your sin placed your trust in Jesus as your savior and lord and have committed to follow him um, I remember at my daughter's baptism, one of my daughter's baptisms, um, talking with somebody after church, and he was telling me about how he felt like, yeah, his, you know, his son, he said, ah, I'm not sure, and my son keeps saying he wants to be baptized, but I'm not sure, I just don't think he's ready yet, I feel like he needs to, there's some attitude things going on, or some, I want to see some change in his life, and I heard that, and I thought, that doesn't sound right, <laughs> you know, a bath is for a dirty person, not a clean person, right? <laughs> right? So you don't have to have your life together to get baptized, right? Baptism is the, you're saying, Lord, I need you. I need to leave my old person behind in, that, in those waters of baptism. I need to walk in newness of life. We don't get our life together 
first before we obey God. And finally, maybe another excuse could just be that you don't know how. Like, how do I get baptized? Or maybe you know somebody, or maybe they're, you're encouraging them to get baptized. Like, how do I do this? Um, and we believe that it's through the local church. You should seek baptism with the local church where you're connected and rooted for your spiritual growth. Listen, you can't baptize yourself, right? <laughs> That's why, and hopefully Miss Oates or Brother Ramon will um, attest to the fact that the word, and when it's in the command, it's be baptized. It doesn't say baptize yourself. That means passive, right? Somebody's got to do it to you, right? So the a spiritual leader in, in the and the pattern, the biblical pattern is through spiritual leaders and the apostles would baptize as people um, are confessing um, Christ and they're um, coming into the community of the body of Christ. This is the pattern. Um, you know, we, uh, so this also shows that you are joining into God's family, right? You're saying, I, when, you are, when you go to your local church, you're saying, I want to be baptized, I'm ready, and I want to grow with the people of God here. I want to be discipled, and I want to grow, and I want... Um, I want to do this together, not just by myself, right? This is, that's the beauty of baptism. Even though you're going into baptism on your own, there's not group baptisms, right? Um, when you come out, you're joining the family of God, right? And that's why, that's why it should be done publicly, right? Finally, that last one is publicly. That means with witnesses, with people watching. You know, so as a witness, your brothers and sisters in Christ are standing together with you in witness and for just to welcome you, right? They're welcoming you. They're saying, yes, you've done it. You're in. You're with us. So that's why it's so important when you're baptized. How many of you gave a short testimony when you were when you're baptized? Right? You, you know, your pastor, your leader said, you know, at, you know they give a short testimony. It's that you are testifying of your commitment to Christ. It's a very serious thing. Just like when, you're, when you get married, you, ask, you have a bridal party. How many of you know that a bridal party is not for the photographs? <laughs> right? When the people you ask to stand with you in your wedding, you choose them, or you should choose them, because you're saying, hold me to my vows. That's why they're standing with you. Those people that are standing with you. Right, Michael? That you're saying, when, so they can come to you and say, hey, buddy, you're being a knucklehead. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> they can come to me and say, you know, you need to stick to your, stick to your vows. You know, they're people who are witnessing and they're watching. Michael's a great husband. I know he is. Yeah, he's awesome. No complaints from Amanda. <laughs> so, um, and again, it's, it's also to celebrate, right? Ba- I love baptisms, right? Because this is, should be a celebration. It just couldn't be, shouldn't be like a 10-minute spot in a service or something. I, I love it when churches have so whole services or dedicated. We're going to have a baptism now. We're coming after church, and it's a party, right? You know, there's food, there's rejoicing, there's laugh. It's a, it should be a celebratory thing because you're being welcomed into the family of God in this, in this public way. Um, so I'm wondering if we can just, could I have Lydia or someone come up? I just want to close, if we can just close with the song, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, I just, you know, would like us to just make a personal moment right now where just before the Lord, um, you know, just feel free to wherever you are, just um, kneel before the Lord, take whatever posture you feel comfortable, um, but just to take a moment and to respond before the Lord um, as we just sing this song. Mm. I have decided
So. 